Uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast and also, obviously, by Ryan at Smith Partners Real Estate up at Golden Grove for all your real estate needs, down to earth electrical for all your data and electrical needs, and also Scorpus's YouTube channel, Hardware on Box for all your geeky needs. Uh, apologies for the false start. It's pretty much representative of what we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> Uh, joining me, uh, as usual, is the lovely Nikki. How are you, Nick? I'm good. I had a football win on Friday night, but that was me playing. Well, that's always good. Uh, and Macca, how are you going, Macca? Well, staggered by what I just heard, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, no, not so good as about the real stuff, though. Not so good. <laughs> well, I, was say, I was on the field <laughs> and we won the game. Woo! Well, that's a good time. Uh, look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Spreaker tonight. Thanks to everyone who's listening in on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, it's going to be a reasonably standard uh, rap show until we get to the stuff that's not going to be standard. <laughs> well, somebody in the cast did, somebody in the cast did ask, is this where all the swearing's going to be? <laughs> well, unfortunately, my... Uh, my 11-year-old son's playing Fortnite in the other room, so I've got to keep it a little bit clean. <laughs> uh, but I imagine I might let one or two go. <laughs> but uh, look, oh, look, gee whiz. <laughs> I almost yep. don't know what to say anymore. So why don't we just ease into it? E- we'll just ease into it with a nice little scores roundup, shall we? Wow, another weekend of footy gone, it was all happy, everyone's happy, a couple of nice results, let's kick it off with uh, Friday night uh, and Richmond uh, just consigning Collingwood to the bottom half of the top eight uh, with a pretty comfortable win in the end, 98-66 to to the Targs. Yeah, well it was an interesting game to watch wasn't it, because... um Richmond have got a very unique style of play and, you know, it's handball forward and run at all costs. And uh, at the moment, it's uh, taking other sides apart. It's it's very difficult at this stage to see who's going to beat them in the GF if that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, with with the home ground situation and and them getting on a roll and and that chaos forward handball sort of movement that they use they very hard to stop once they get momentum you mentioned about the home ground advantage that they've been given up with the last seven games at the MCG and probably all their finals at the MCG uh, that dick brain who is called the here we go here we go yeah yeah that bloody idiot that used to coach Footscray he's got a voice squeaky voice what's his bloody name Terry Wallace um, Terry Wallace. I heard Terry <laughs> Wallace on the day's radio, and I nearly vomited. He said uh, about the Adelaide Crows how unfair it is that they get the Adelaide Sun, He's, and Adelaide Suns twice. He said they've got everything else in the competition even, and but they give this team that, that advantage. And I'm thinking, are you stupid or something? I mean, wow. he is. Yes. That's yes. without doubt. But, I mean, to make such a ridiculous comment and... Uh, Terry Wallace, I've always thought you're a dickhead. You just proved it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and Colin, Collingwood are in trouble. Um, they've now got Major. another lot of yeah, another two injuries out of the yeah. game. You got Dugowie yeah. and um, Isaac Quayne are out. Yeah. So yeah, they're in. Um, they're, they're definitely going to slide. Uh, I'd just like to say that uh, I'm not really motivated for this results one, so let's smash through them, shall we? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you mean teams that actually know how to play football? That's right. Who cares about them? Uh, Brisbane Lions just going from strength to strength. It's not easy to beat the Hawks under any circumstances down at Tassie, and they did it very well, although the Hawthorne Footy Club might rue their lack of accuracy. Uh, but the Lions getting up 13-9-87 to Hawthorne 7-18-60, a margin there of 27 points in the end. I'd say yep. bastards, the, the tip I got wrong this round. Well, you know, bugger the tip. So I, I think Brisbane <laughs> Lions... Uh, well, nobody cares about your tips, Dickie. Nobody. I do. <laughs> well, that's one. Um, and look, uh, Brisbane Lions... A, a lovely model of how to get a football club going. Adelaide Football Club, have a look at it and Pat's do the same. Right, let's uh, keep the powder dry for a moment. Uh, we've got the Eagles uh, convincing winners by 49 points over North Melbourne. Uh, 18 goals, 13, 1, 2, 1 to North, 72 points, 10 goals, 12. Uh, that pretty much puts North out of the picture now, I think. It does. And West Coast, uh, they're a very, very strong team. They've got... Um, and the one thing that you notice about West Coast, they've sort of snuck up with the number of runners they've got in their team. Um, they've got probably three or four Indigenous boys that have got excellent pace and they've got a bag of tricks. And uh, If anybody's going to beat Richmond, it would be this particular team because I reckon they have good players all over the ground and they've got very good defence, they've got a, a very good attack and they've got a good midfield. And what else do you want? And uh, uh, I think it's got, it has to be... This team that's going to beat Richmond, if anybody will, uh, maybe. They're 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 building at the right time once again. They are. Yep, you know? they are. And and they're doing the right thing. They're, they're um, solidifying that top two spot, two home finals. That's what you want? Yes, uh, St Kilda continuing with the debt cap bounce trend. Unbelievable. Uh, 15 14 104 beating Melbourne, the hapless Melbourne. Uh, how's Goody going? 13 7 85, a margin by 19 points to the Saints. Yeah, and sadly, I was watching the game and thinking to myself, Melbourne were in front uh, for a particular section, fair, fair part of the game. And I was thinking, well, at least uh, if they get up, that neutralises Carlton to some degree. Uh, and maybe there's still some hope, but no hope. They. Um, they they folded like a deck of cards towards the end. St Kilda finished very, very strongly. Uh, as you said, the, the dead cat bounce, in, interpreted now as the dead coach bounce. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, look, it's amazing how, how this is happening. And um, t- they played, St Kilda played a very good And I think we're in, we'll be in a bit of trouble oh, eventually. Yeah. If, we, if we play as we did against Carlton, we will get how, how this That's is happening. And, um, oh, absolutely. Because, um, yeah, they played. Yeah. Everybody would be very good. Coach yeah, and, uh, uh, and we got the Saints next week. I, don't forget. We do, we do. That's why I mentioned it. Sorry, um, I wasn't look, listening. Early on, <laughs> early on under, yeah, early on under Richardson, I actually used to like watching how the Saints were playing, even though they didn't win. They played a very attractive brand of football, and it seems they've they've kind of gone back to it now, but with that little bit of freedom. And we know Ratton is a very good coach. He's yeah. a good coach. Well, I'm he's got a chance. He's got a chance now to uh, 
to really show us what Carlton was, uh, what Carlton got rid of. You know, uh, everyone said they pulled the trigger on Ratton far too early, and I tend to agree with them. Uh, and yeah. here it is, and I and I, I hope he does well. Uh, you know, the, the what he's gone through, etc., uh, etc. Et um, you know, he deserves a bit of success. So good luck to him. Anyway, uh, the Giants <laughs> getting up by a point <laughs> over Port. <laughs> I'm so sad. Yeah, four less scoring shots, but got up eight eight fifty six to Port seven thirteen fifty five. Who was that young lad who missed the, the set shot from out in front towards the end? There, he'd be feeling pretty blue at the moment. Oh, for Port Adelaide, yeah, nobody cares, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I just honestly can't remember who did miss it, but um, uh, look, I thought it was a great result uh, to see the uh, how many went ten twelve people whatever it was. Um, yeah. It was in the twenties so, again. Yeah, was wasn't that all of Heath Shaw's family there to celebrate him playing? Oh my god, three hundred games of football. Yep, uh, but um, in fairness to Port, they 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 try very hard. There's no doubt about their effort, but their skill level is so low. Their you know their ability to hit a man and a target, etc., is very very low. And um, but I, I would say if they played us at the moment, they'd clean us up at the moment. Yep. Uh, but GWS, you got to take your hat off to them. They've got. Uh, three guns out of their mud- midfield at the moment. There's Ward, um, Cornelio, and Kelly. I mean, most teams with that type of player out of their midfield couldn't couldn't win games. But um, this team can. They just move players, put Zach Williams from the back line into the midfield, and a couple other players from other positions, and away they go. And they played very Macca, well. Shut up! I want to get through this. <laughs> <laughs> the Bulldogs sixteen seven. I like, like GW. So. Shut up. Sixteen seventeen one one three to <laughs> Frio nine twelve sixty six. Uh, how's Rossi Lyon going? Uh, a margin there of forty seven points and keeping themselves in the hunt. Yep, and they'll probably get in when they beat us in the last match of the year. Yeah, I think Nicky's right. And uh, one thing I will say about this thing's got to be said: Ross Lyon. Why does anybody want that guy as a coach? Why doesn't anyone? Why would anybody want him? Why would anyone want him? Mm. Well, I don't think anyone does. Well, his name always keeps coming up. As, as, uh, I, I, don't, as, I don't care. This is reviews. I want to talk about something else. Uh, Geelong, 16 goals, 11-107, uh, beating Sydney, uh, who in a bit of pain at the moment. 12 goals, 80, a margin there of 27 points at the SCG, wasn't it? Yep, but the SCG it was. But the one thing about Sydney, though, they are in the rebuilding process, and they're playing a lot of young players in their team, and uh, they've got a few veterans along with it, and uh, I think that they'll come out of this pretty well in the next year or two. Yep. And uh, finally, uh, the Suns making a good account of themselves, <clears throat> pardon me, against Essendon, but going down in the end by 10 points, Essendon 16 goals, 10-106, uh, to Gold Coast 15 goals, 6 uh, 96 uh, and Essendon just firming up nicely in the old uh, in the top eight. Yeah, well, Gold Coast uh, they they hit the front minute 28 to go. They've got it on their half forward flank. You think they should be able to bottle this up somehow? Though there's nobody behind the ball. And the ball no. goes whizzing well, down the other end. Didn't they do that earlier in the year too when they were in a winning position and Drew said, yeah, "Oh, yeah. They did. we didn't yeah. know what to do." Well, they obviously haven't been training it since. <laughs> they haven't practiced it obviously, no. though, because. That's the way it goes. Minute 28 to go and they're in front. You end up losing by nearly two goals. Yeah. So that leaves us with a ladder of Geelong on top, 
uh, one game clear now of uh, West Coast and Brisbane. Brisbane now in the top four and uh, pretty comfortably so, I reckon. Richmond probably the only uh, team that could perhaps also challenge for a top two spot uh, on 48 points. The Giants hanging in there on 44 points along with Collingwood and Essendon. And then a massive two games clear of eighth place, which is going to be just... It doesn't matter who gets in. It's just going to be the also-rounds, I think. Uh, Adelaide there at the moment, courtesy of some nice Gold Coast percentage, just outside the eight, uh, but on a poorer percentage is the Bulldogs. You'd say the Bulldogs definitely uh, in better nick. Uh, Port slowly losing touch. They're now a game behind um, on 32 points, along with Hawthorne. Fremantle and St Kilda surprisingly uh, North on 28 points Sydney on 24 points along with Canton uh, Melbourne languishing uh, just above Gold Coast uh, on 20 points Gold Coast obviously on 12 points so there it is uh, you know I reckon there's probably uh, I reckon the top four is pretty much locked in now Just a mat- it's just a matter of the order I think Mm-hmm. agreed Yep, and uh, it's only eighth spot to play for, and really, really, uh, I can't see any of Port, Hawthorne, Fremantle or St Kilda getting there. North are now out of it, uh, so it's really us and the Bulldogs, and it'll come down to that uh, sunny afternoon at, uh, <laughs> at where Ballarat. Ballarat. Yes, we're, we're, you, know, get, you, think you get minus degrees there. Oh, jeez. Anyway, that's not going to be a good time. Look, uh, so that's the uh, that's the results. We've done what we've had to do. Um, now, how about we get into uh, what we're all here for, shall we? Oh, here it comes because. No one's happy. Twitter's gone crazy. Facebook's gone crazy. Bigfooty's gone crazy. The world's gone crazy because we can't <laughs> play for shit. <laughs> oh, my and, and God. Yet, and yet there are a couple of things we could say, and I think that result would have been reversed. That The rest of us can see what the problem is, but it doesn't appear that the coaching staff can. Yeah. Anyway. Let's... Uh, how, how would you reverse it, Nikki? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hold your fire. Hold your fire. Come on, Macca. Come on, Macca. You know the drill. Adelaide going down nine goals, 660 uh, to Carlton, 13 goals, 987. A margin, comfortable margin in the end to the Blues, 27 points. Have your say, Macca. Go for it. Do it. Well, I was curious by Nikki's comments about that. Uh, we could have reversed it, but, um, you know, with the people that we've got in charge and the structure we've got and the way we choose our team. How would that happen, Nikki? Well, what we were talking about last week is to who needed to be dropped and where we what restructure needed to actually occur. And a very simple thing is you do not play Sloan head-to-head with Cripps. You actually put a decent tagger on him. Now, I actually suggested on Thursday night on the rev-up that uh, he should go head-to-head on Cripps, uh, but... You don't leave him there all bloody game when he's getting towed up. Um, slowly, Absolutely towed up. Slowly, slowly, obviously out-muscled, and uh, we had a couple of blokes in there that could have run with him. Uh, I reckon yep. even, like, get creative. Even bloody Kyle Hardigan's got enough pace to go with Cripps. Just iron him out, for yeah. God's sake. Someone, well, 
Put him in the middle. But you don't. You just don't burn your bloody best midfielder because he's losing a tag. But Sloney didn't look right anyway. Uh, anyway, no. go on, go on, Macca. What was the rest? Well, you know, I think this this uh, club is in turmoil. I think these players are diseased at the moment. Um, there's there's no way this this these these players are playing to anywhere near their capacity. They're not playing for the club. They're not playing for the coach. They're not playing for the supporters. And I'll give you a very simple case of that uh, by the opposition who we played against in terms of Carlton. Um, there was there's two players there called Gibbons and Setterfield. When they Bolton was a coach, they were scrubbers, and I'm talking about dead set scrubbers that would not get in any other AFL team. And they were two of the stars in that game, playing uh, for the new coach. So they are playing. They were playing for their. All of a sudden, they've got a different attitude towards a football game. They're playing for their club. They're playing for their coach. They're playing for their team. They're playing for their mates. At the moment, we don't have that in on the playing field. They are not playing for anybody. I don't know who they're playing for. I don't even know why they're playing because they're not playing as a cohesive football team. They don't have a cohesive plan. Where uh, we don't have a, a uh, we have a dysfunctional forward line, a dysfunctional midfield, the back line, poor buggers. They're just under uh, oppression both from the amount of ball that comes down there, uh, and we've got coaches that can't do it right. There's people that run it above there that, that aren't competent. We are a club in crisis. We're definitely a club in crisis. Uh, you know, we'll go through the head-to-heads in a moment, but to give you an idea, at the four-minute mark of the third quarter, we were, uh, we were. let's have a look, we were minus nine on inside 50s. We were minus 23 on contested possessions. We were minus 51 on uncontested possessions. And we were minus 67 on disposals. That's that's half a game. That is half a game. And to put that in perspective, uh, at the end of the first quarter, we were no more than uh, minus 10 on any of those stats. So, in fact, we were parity on uncontested possessions and also inside 50s, I think, one or two down. So we got absolutely destroyed in that second quarter absolutely destroyed and I felt like after half time there were signs that one or two of them uh, gave a shit and I got to call yes, I got to call them out and it, some of those might surprise people but I thought slowly got uh, got um, uh, the the purple haze going uh, red mist and he started to throw it around a bit uh, not to much avail um, David McKay I thought gave a shit because yeah. because he uh, started throwing throwing himself in. Uh, I say what you like about DMAC, but he was definitely in our top half a dozen players uh, for pure and effort. He kept, and so in that, I think it was the last quarter where we actually had some really nice movement through the midfield into our forwards, some really nice delivery, and midfield was not involved at all. It was that no, no, back line no. which included DMAC. Yeah. And he was doing that overlap run. Yeah. Yes, well, you're right, Nicky. Yeah. Uh, I thought Tex gave a shit. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Um, and that was probably about it. Well, Brody Smith probably is another one that gave a shit. No, you, you have to give Brody I'd, I'd a still, shit. I'd still leave our back line in there. Yeah. I think our back line has. I, 
it's very hard yes. to judge them, Nikki, because because the people up yes. above them are just not doing their task, so they're just getting a, a, oh, they're just getting a so wave and after wave. So hard for them. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something, and I was going to cover this oh, off a bit yes. later. DSG said Rob. Oh, and Riley O'Brien, absolutely, Riley O'Brien um, yes. just continues to. That, continues that kid to impress. Has one hell of a heart. Yeah, I mean, he was put under pressure by Phillips. Uh, Phillips was running forward and uh, you know uh, causing a bit of havoc in that regard. But Riley really stuck to his guns and really ran the game out. And you can't ask for more than that. Look, um, aside from that though, uh, and unfortunately, apart from you could possibly say Tex, uh, none of those people are actually our prime movers. Our prime movers went missing. Um, yeah. and uh, people know who they are, and uh, we will certainly, certainly uh, cover that off in a minute. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to just mention before we go into some stats is um, it's indicative of our list management and our uh, player management that on Saturday we had $2 million worth of salary running around in the twos. Yes, yes I did hear that stat, and I thought it was... Uh that's pretty typical. Um, two million dollars worth of two million, and interestingly, one of them, Richard Douglas, cost us the game um, by uh, by stuffing something up. So there you go. So look, um, we're gonna we're gonna whiz through some stats. We're gonna whiz through some individuals. Uh, it's a, it's the same old story, but I want to have a bit of a chat uh, beforehand, uh, just about. What what's happening uh, with the crows? What's happening with the crow cast? Um, because uh, my my th- this podcast, as you guys well know, and everyone listening well knows, has never pulled any punches, have we, Nikki and Mac? Never pulled any punches. No. Um, I try to, I try to, but I fail. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't make any excuses for that. We don't make any apologies for that. Um, but. Uh, you know, we've also enjoyed a good relationship with the club, and I think people have enjoyed the interaction that we've had with the club, uh, notwithstanding uh, that it's been sporadic at times. Um, but I've had a gutful. I've had a gutful of everyone down at that club, and Macca, I know you're the same, and Nick, I reckon you've joined that club as well. Um, from the board down to the boot stutter, um, I've had a gutful of the rhetoric. Now, I wanted, I want to just share with you a couple of things that. Uh, past the Crowcast desk today um, and there's a couple of things I can't talk about uh, the first of all is Hugh Greenwood so Hugh Greenwood was told late last year that his deal would happen in the first half of 2019 he definitely wants to say he it was agreed in principle that he'd get a two-year deal on a moderate increase in salary um, He's since been offered three years from three other clubs. All he wants is a moderate increase. He's not asking for too much, and he would sign for two years, and we're not doing it. So that's number one. Alex Keith is being offered lots of money by Bulldogs and North on three-year deals, uh, and we're offering... But we're... Well, apparently Adelaide wouldn't because we're doing a Jared Lyons with Alex Keith. We are offering him peanuts and unless we up our offer he's gone at the end of the year um the other good mail is that we had adam tomlinson who's a free agent this year from gws uh 
stitched up, ready to go, ready to sign, all done and dusted. Uh, we've been after him since 2016. Uh, he's not coming now. He's not coming now. Any reason why? Uh, I believe it's money. Well, that's uh, it's always money. I believe it's always it's, money. So that so that's list management. Then we get to the coaching staff. I can tell you, and some of this we've shared before, but I just wanted to collate everything that we know. Uh, Don Pike was uh, refused uh, Peter Sumich as his senior assistant, um, pretty much because we didn't want to spend the money or we didn't have the money to spend. Um, and the reason we didn't have the money to spend is because we've taken on uh, Saunders, which is a good move, but we didn't sack. It is a very good move. But we didn't sack Matt Haas. And as a consequence, we have overspent massively, massively in the footy department, in the fitness department, I should say. Yep. Obviously, um, yep. And we don't have the money to spend on other assistants. So as a consequence, we've had to go cheap on our uh, on our assistant coaches. That's why we've got Matner and Godden. Uh, cheap? It couldn't get bloody cheaper. Yep. Yeah, well, as NFL coaches get Although, paid bugger all, so I mean they weren't going to um, take much to get them over the line into the AFL system. Yeah, so but on that, would say Matner is a tick. He gets a pass, actually. Yeah, but you know we all know the issues with Hart and and what went on there. Oh, um, so we've wasted a salary on Matt Haas, and he wouldn't be cheap either. So the the upshot is that instead of having so much. Uh, as Pike's right-hand man, the same as Richardson was for Hinckley and the same as Fagan was for Clarkson, etc., etc. Uh, not only has Don been stuck with Campo, who got elevated to senior assistant coach, but because the rest of our coaching panel are so inexperienced, Campo's spending most of his time managing those coaches, which means that Pike doesn't really have a go-to person. To go to well, uh, Campo's supposed to be in charge of strategy, match match see. match day strategy. But he's spending most of his time coordinating the other coaches, Macca. Yeah. Um, accepted, accepted. Yeah, I've also been told that Josh Franco was uh, essentially pushed out of the club because he didn't toe the line because he pushed too many buttons. Um, he, uh, you know, being an outsider. Uh, he was, uh, you know, forthright and ostracised as a result. And it was Josh Franco who basically fed Stewie Jew the line about, or fed them the intel about the Crows staff, coach, uh, the Crows coaches laughing in the box against the Gold Coast. And doesn't that look ridiculous in in retrospect? The Crows yeah. coaching staff. And also Trent Kaisler, don't forget, is up there as well. Um Kate. Uh, Tate Kaisler, who, sorry. Yeah, who was who's an he is an absolute excellent development coach, um, and absolutely loved by all the boys here, whether they were SNFL development players up to uh, our top tier. Yep, and uh, Matt in the chat says Franco. Uh, sorry, someone said Franco was pushed. Uh, uh, sorry, Franco could see the rotten round. He didn't run. He wanted to stay, but like. When 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 blokes like Benny Hart are getting a gig, and he was sort of cut out. Um, also, some criticism about Andrew Fagan, the fact that uh, there's some arrogance and some dismissiveness from 
the CEO. Uh, his main KPI is getting us over the line in terms of the new training facility, which has a very familiar ring to it, doesn't it, when you consider that our last CEO had a KPI of getting us out of Footy Park. Um, Correct. So, uh, you know, we've got our interview with Fags coming up shortly when I get the all clear from the club, um, hopefully on Tuesday night, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what people's comments are there. So the bottom line, there's a couple of other things that I've been asked not to mention at this stage, uh, including overpaying players um, uh, under certain circumstances. So the, the bottom line is, the bottom line is that there is mismanagement at all levels at the moment. And there's a uh, there's an arrogance and an insular stench around the club. And the mainstream footy media, who really usually take no notice of Adelaide, are picking up on it. I was listening to AFL Nation this afternoon, and they spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about they did. Quite, uh, the, the smelly smelly nature of the Adelaide Footy Club at the moment. And, Macker, I don't know about you, but it seemed to me that they knew a lot more than they were actually saying. Oh, they um, did, and they they were even talking about the possibility of a, a pipe being uh, losing his position. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I don't know how you feel, but I reckon Don Pipe's presser when I when I saw it on Saturday night, I thought, God, that's so insipid and weak. But then, in the context of what I've been told today and a few other comments around the place, I'm starting to wonder whether it's more of a uh, a sense of resignation that Pikey has. Um, because he I said, think so too. Yeah, go on. You notice he hasn't he hasn't gone down on the ground. No, the not lately. Last couple of weeks. No, hasn't been doing it. And that game plan that we had that was winning, we're not doing that anymore. No, no I don't um, understand. I, I do not understand that, Nikki. Same. Um, I, I. My feeling is, I actually have faith in Pike. From what. You've said, Fiend, and, and also from what I've heard around and what we've witnessed, he's never had that structure around him that he's wanted and he's needed. Yeah. And so my problem is not with him. It's with the structure around him and, and it's that support network that he needs to get it. Um, and, and that's my major issue. It's very hard. Often why I often sound like I'm sitting on the fence is because I know what it's like working in the sporting um, arena. I have a bit of an understanding regarding organisations and I, I don't want to throw pot shots too much because you don't quite know what it's like being in there and there's other things. But you, it's so clearly obvious that there are major problems down there, that the players don't have trust in some of the other players and it hurts. It hurts me as a supporter because I love this club. I've been supporting them since they started and I'm going to keep supporting them, but I'm probably going to throw more of my interest at the women's team because that seems to actually be working better well, um, and it's more cohesive. Well, Ben in the chat just alerted me to something and I've just gone and looked because I thought he was taking the piss. But there's an article in the advertiser, uh, and I can't read behind the paywall, unfortunately, but uh, Peter at Pikes, as Crow's boss calls for a karma mid-heat. Under fire Crow's coach Don Pike puts on pizza and beers at his place as chairman Rob Chapman promises fans a calm and considered but thorough response to the form slump threatening their season. What an absolute pile of rubbish. It's quite simply this, and I, I said it in our little chat beforehand, but 
I don't want excuses. I want the right actions. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you what I'm going and to do. And what, what Chapman is suggesting there are excuses. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, in, I'm in, an inaugural member of the Adelaide Football Club. I was one of the first ones to be uh, there. I've got a very low number. Um, and if they don't hold a proper review and make changes, I am not renewing my membership next year because Fagan covered up. There was both that you, 2018 was a disaster year. It absolutely demonstrated that somebody, whether it be he, whether it be Rue or whoever's responsible, put Burton in charge of the football department and don't think this is just a Burton bashing session. He gets his because he deserves it. But the whole, as Fee said before, you got Burton brought his mate uh, Hass and then we've had to pay extra money to Saunders, a lot of money to Saunders, to fix up the mess that those two have made. Burton being incapable of managing any of the other areas because he had zero experience in there. How, if they had an external review, an external review would have, uh, would have isolated all these particular problems and said, these are the points at the board that you have to fix. Now, uh, Fagan didn't go that way. He went internal review and gave themselves all big ticks. I'm going to tell you something. The knock-on effect of Rob Chapman's uh, oversight of the Kurt Tippett drama... Uh, and not stacking, sacking Stephen Trigg because, of course, his KPI was not running the football department. It was getting us to Adelaide Oval. But Rob Chapman has stayed in that position after overseeing a major governance um, disgrace, I'm going to call it, call it uh, that cost us draft picks. Now, I'm going to tell you, Macca, who was the bloke that was available at the draft pick that we would have had had we not been kicked out of that draft? You tell me. I'll give you. I'll give you five seconds. I can't remember, Nick. Uh, at the moment, feet. I'm so angry. All right. Well, I'll tell you. He had 19 clearances against the oh, Adelaide Crows you are yesterday. Correct. Yep. Patrick Bloody Cripps was the player that we would have taken yeah. had yes. we not been kicked out of that draft. And we've got Rob Bloody Chapman. Rob Chapman is still at the club is still at the club putting beers on and having a calm and considered response to this disaster when we've just been towed up by the bloke that should be playing for the Adelaide Crows. Yeah. Spot and, on. But unfortunately, and, and, what, all the no, things we've I... mentioned, though, and sorry, Nicky, I was just saying, but all the things we've mentioned, they've rolled on. The playing staff don't... At the end of the season, you can see there was some desperation in our football team, but as it's gone on, uh, and for all the various reasons, I think I'm sure that some of these players don't believe their coaches. They're, they're you know their line coach, um, and it's it just got worse and worse and worse. And you can see some of these players are genuinely not giving a hundred percent. Go on, Nick. Um, just my father has been involved in sporting organisations at board levels. He's actually chaired um, a state. Um, sporting organisation, and I remember him talking about the time with the the tippet, um, everything going on. And his comment was that if he was chairman of the board, he would have resigned because that happened on his watch. You do not stay there. You do not see it through because that is an absolute failure on your part as a board member. Now he's not only been a board member at the state level; he's also been a board member at a national sporting organisation level. 
um, and we're talking an Olympic sport here. So, um, it, yeah, I'm, I understand that Chappie has done some really good stuff, but... What's he done, Nick? What's he done? He did what he had to do during the Phil saga, and I and I understand that, yeah. and that's fine. And we've got, you know, we've no one's saying we haven't got good servants of the club because the club values that they value loyalty yes. and hard work and all that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they're as good as bloody useless. Agree. The one thing they can do well is manage their finances. Uh, we talk about away from the football area in terms of um, not becoming like a port out where you go with a handout, et cetera, et cetera. And so if we go away from the football arena side of things, it's not so bad. Yeah, but it's not hard, it's not hard to run the Adelaide Football Club financially, Macca. No, it's I, not I agree hard. With you, I agree with you. We're the number one least... ticket in town. We, we've got all the media coverage. We demand all the sponsorship. We've got the largest supporter base. We've got one of the largest supporter bases of any AFL club in Australia. If you can't turn a profit, if you can't be a rich club, if you can't fill a stadium, there's something bloody wrong with you, surely. So I don't. I'd, I'd see that as a as a as a given. I, what I'm saying is, that, you know, if you were had in those positions, if you had uh, players of the of, sorry. Uh, people of the quality that are running the football department, then I think we wouldn't be in that good financial position. But uh, we're not there actually to be a financial uh, organisation. We're there to be a football organisation. That's the primary purpose of the whole club. It revolves around that, be a good football club. And a good football club uh, would have won a premiership since 2018. That's 21 years ago. And we're looking at chaos and 21 years later, absolutely pathetic. And that tells you that from a football point of view, we are so badly managed. Terribly managed, terribly managed. And, you know, I don't want to bring up old stuff, but we go back to the lack of due diligence uh, uh, carried out on that stupid psychology uh, company, Collective Minds. I mean, it doesn't matter what brush the the Crows want to paint over that one. That was a a massive fail because it was just a massive fail if a corporate did that they they would like they they'd just be laughed at it's laughable that was a massive fail of due diligence you know they don't make the right decisions in the football department and mark bloody rashido's head is the board director of football he is the head of football He's the one that came in on his on his white horse and his shining armour uh, to change things up and make things better and all the rest of it. He's the one that oversees Brett Burton. He's the one that oversees the football program. He oversees list management. That's his no, role. It, interesting. If he oversees that kind of department, why isn't he really in there that often? Well, that's right. That's right. Now, Mark Rashido was asked on Friday what would happen if the Crows lost to Carlton. And Mark Rashido said that there'd be blood in the water, right? Yes, I heard the comment. And now we're at Pikey's having a beer and pizza. Oh, he really meant to say there'll be pizza and beer. That's what he really meant to say. No, 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 but but this is the this is the problem, Macca. We... Oh, just, we, just being silly because... Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I know. I, I understand, mate. 
But this is the problem. We've got we've got a football director who's who's got a, a media profile who says one thing, and then a couple of days later, it's all massaged out. We saw it last week in the way that the media was handled. You know, on Monday we're all sort of you know no one's safe, blah 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 blah, and by Wednesday we're all back the boys in. You know, it, it's just a consist. Well, I don't think the Adelaide Footy Club understand that the dyed in the wool supporter has been following this shit for years, and. Well- we can predict what's going to be said. You know, I've seen I've seen mock transcripts on big footy posts that are that are totally accurate about what is going to be said it, because it's just the same old stuff time after time. They must think we're stupid. It's spin Nikki, and we were promised in 2015 that we would no longer be a spin club, that we would be prepared to look each other in the eye and have man conversations, that we Correct. would know that we would be transparent. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, they are doing the legacy of Phil Walsh a disservice and they're making a mockery of all the statements that they made back in 2015 because we are now actually worse than what we were before Mark Rusciuto and Andrew Fagan came along. We are now worse. Sadly, we are. We are. And uh, and the people that we've got running the show, we've actually managed to replace, in many cases... Excellent uh, line coaches, excellent people in other positions with some very, very ordinary uh, cattle indeed. Very ben, ordinary. Ben Davison has hit the nail on the head. Walsh's first priority, authenticity. We are not and, an authentic football club. And no, the only not. way we can do that... Um, now, your suggestion last week where we had a discussion, Macca, regarding who's good to do... Um, an external review of the club. Yeah, you know, Brian Cunningham. Brian Cunningham. I actually th- I would like to see an external review with Brian Cunningham and Jason Dunstall. Because yep. Jason Dunstall has been a top-level AFL player, but he also was football director at Hawthorne during their premiership years. And he didn't get pally-pally with the players. He didn't have joint businesses with the players and all the coaching staff or anything like that, and he did what needed to be done to get that club being a multi-premiership club. Yeah, and Tom Clark makes a terrific point in the chat, a terrific point. The club right now is exactly what Walsh hated about the Crows for years. That's right. And that, that's right. He couldn't have put it better. And Walshie was up front about it. When he came to the Crows, he was up front about it. He didn't like the club. From from an outsider looking in, Phil Walsh didn't like the club and he wanted to change it. You know, and he had them he had a mandate for change, but Mark Rashudo also had a mandate for change. And Andrew Fagan also had a mandate for change. That they were supposed to be change agents and I've I've bashed on using that term in the past. But they have just become sycophants. They, they are not instigating any change. What change has occurred at the Adelaide Football Club since Andrew Fagan and Mark Rusciuto have come on board, apart from a couple of coaches? What What's changed? Nothing's changed. Nothing. Nothing's well, we changed. We have lesser, lesser, lesser people in the key positions. You, you know, Mac, we've been doing this podcast since 2015, and... 
I, you know, I've lost count of this, the times that we've said the same thing over and over again. All right, look, we're going to just give the, the that conversation a little bit of a break uh, just for a minute and let's just go through some stats uh, with regards to the Carlton Adelaide game because they're quite damning. Um, we're talking about 385 disposals to 343. Um, Carlton outmarked us 113 to 87. Uh, we... Uh, tackled well 85 to 69 uh, and particularly in the second half I actually thought as I said there was a few blokes that showed a bit of care factor um, but we were just so far out of the game by that point it wasn't funny uh, Riley got uh, pipped in the in the hitouts uh, although I think it was probably Josh that got pipped in the hitouts Riley had uh, well what do you have 32 yeah Andrew Phillips had 35 so Andrew Phillips a big boy but I thought Riley uh, held his own pretty well uh, let's not forget. Broke even. Yeah, broke. let's not forget too that we got twenty-seven free kicks to nineteen. No one's brought that up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but here's here's a stat for you: fifty-two clearances to twenty-nine. Fifty-two clearances to twenty-nine. Let that sink in. We only in one match, we only got uh, twenty-nine clearances. Twenty-nine clearances. We beat Cripps by 10. <laughs> oh, you got to laugh. Our, Otherwise, I'm going to cry. Our stoppage clearances uh, peaked uh, at the end of the last quarter at minus 15, the differential. Minus 15 stoppage clearances and uh, minus 9 centre clearances. At no well, start, yeah. By, by the twenty-minute mark of the first quarter, because I felt that we started the game okay. By the twenty-minute mark of the third uh, first quarter, we went into negative territory on both those stats: stoppage and centre clearances. And Red time. And as, aside from a moment in the third quarter, uh, we never got into positive territory on those again. So you add in the massive disparity on contested possession because contested possession uh, was a stat, I think it was 144 to 129. Um, It's just a lack of intensity around. It's a lack of desire. Um, Talk about lack of intensity, I think. Um, uh, Up to half-time, we had two tackles in our forward line. Two. Yeah. Okay, on, on that though, and, and this is my beef about commentators at times because they were using those stats, but they weren't actually explaining partly why that was happening. They're just going, oh, it's an indictment on the Crows' forwards. It's actually not so much an indictment of the forwards as the setup because when the ball was coming in, we had a very open forward line with very few players in there. So if the ball's coming in and then immediately coming out again, it's really hard to get a tackle if you've only got two or three forwards in an entire forward 50 arc. Contrast that with the Carlton forward line. They had their forwards and plus all their midfielders and our midfielders in there as well. So you had at least over half of the team, each of the teams in there, which creates more congestion. Therefore, you're more likely to have tackles instead of open space. So that was more to do with a structural setup of our forward line and not so much the desire of our forwards not being able to um, tackle. The when they did show it on um, the TV, that the you know here's where they had a chance to tackle. You know who it was? It was Matt Crouch? 
was the other midfielders who were there who didn't lay the tackles. It actually wasn't our forwards. It was our midfielders who had finally gotten into the forward line to do something. But it's more to do with the structure and the way it was. And that's quite poor on those commentators that they couldn't figure out that that's partly what it is as well. Do you know why they were banging on about it? Because Paul Ruse mentioned it in his in his analysis last week. Yeah. So, yeah, Paul Ruse knows what he's talking about. You know, we'll just bang on about that all day. We were actually uh, we ended up in positive territory on tackles inside fifty, but it was only due to the effort in the last quarter. Um, yeah. At one stage, tackles into inside fifty was minus thirteen. But Cam made a very good point on uh, on the rev up show. Um, Unfortunately, it was only audio, but people in Spreaker might have heard it. He said that you you cannot defend the forward. You cannot have forward 50 pressure if you're turning the ball in the, over in the air. And that's exactly yeah. what we do. It, the, our, we don't give our forwards, our key forwards, the opportunity to, of bringing the ball to ground because we don't kick to their advantage and we often kick to an out number. So often... We don't actually have the players to be able to take that that ball, uh, like to keep that ball inside forward fifty, because of the way that we move the ball into forward fifty. So we don't have the opportunity to to scrum it up at ground level because we get beaten in in the aerial contest too often because of the way the ball's coming in. And it was very noticeable, very noticeable. There was one time, Macker, and I don't know whether you remember it or you, Nick, that uh, the ball was on. I think it was in the third quarter. And uh, the ball was on the wing, and uh, I think we had a free or a mark or something. And I reckon it might have been C's that had the ball. And the and the camera angle showed our forward line. And what what I've been banging on for a while about, and what Cam and I talked about on Thursday night, is the fact that our forwards haven't been don't understand the value of creating space. They don't move, and it's the it's Absolutely. the it's the yep. bit forwards yep. that clog up space. And this particular camera angle, and if I can, I couldn't be bothered looking at it today. But if I can find it before Tuesday, I'll put it up, or I'll put it up on Facebook. Um, this particular angle showed Seisman had the ball, and he was looking to kick it in, and there were stationary people stationary players that weren't ever going to be in a marking contest in the space in the the space where Tex and or Jenkins should have been leading. Now how do people expect Tex and Jenkins to lead if we've got idiots like Lockie Murphy and all the rest of it camped in the space 30 metres out but directly between the kicker and the goals? How in the hell are our key forwards supposed to work when we've got that kind of setup? It's impossible. Yeah. It's football well, 101. Well, you raise a very good point because um, watching a lot of football over the weekend, the teams that went well, they when the ball goes into the forward line, they kick, they actually kick it to a leading forward who, who's leading into space. Yeah, but we don't have the space. And do you know what happens then? A, I'm agreeing with you. Know you. What? And, they, and my other point on this is, Fiend, that's what Tex and Jenkins are best at. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. You hit you hit Tex up on a tar- on a on a lead, and he'll take the mark. But the yeah, uh, but it, it, it leads to other things. It leads to Tex and Jenkins leading wide, 
and then it leads to us bailing out to either an un- out number because Texas led wide and then, you know, they've, they've sagged off their play to go and two and one him. Or we see the ball bailed out on top of, not Eddie this week, but on top of a small's head because they're the ones that are in the position that we want to kick it. It's just that they're not the people that should be there. That should be space for the forwards to lead into. So our forward line, and yes, you can blame Ben Hart, and I do blame Ben Hart to a degree. I do. But these blokes are AFL footballers, Macca. It's football 101, isn't it? Isn't it forward well, line one hundred and one? It's basic. It's basic. Yeah. So I, I mean, there were so many things that just seemed to be fundamental to me, and that one in particular stood out to me. There were one or two others, but that one in particular stood out to me because it was exactly, exactly, it, it, it exactly illustrated what's wrong with our forward line. We had probably eight or nine players in our in our own forward line. And we were standing, standing still, like standing still, bodying up to our opponent with our hand in the air, in the hole, stationary. Get the hell out of there. Let someone run into that space, for God's sakes. You move into it and then you move out to take your defender away. I play forward pocket. That's my job is to get the defenders away from the double team of our full forward. We can do it at our level. Why can't they do it at AFL level? It's basic. So basic. Anyway, uh, let's continue, shall we? Where was I? Before I started ranting, I promise I wouldn't rant. Uh, Inside 50s (laughs) were the same, 46 each. Uh, Rebound 50s were pretty much the same, 37 to Carlton, 33 to us. Um, uh, And that's really because it was a tail between two arcs again. As I mentioned, contested possessions up 145 to 123. Uncontested possessions, Carlton 235 to 215. Effective disposals, uh, 281 to 249. Um, contested marks sixteen to twelve. Oh, that's the other thing that I'll I'll talk about right now. Marks inside fifty, sixteen to five. Now, oh, I'm just about to lose my shit. So we played three tools, right? Hardigan, Talia, Andy Otten. Andy Otten comes in for Alex Keith, who's been our third up and our rebound intercept dude. So yeah. first, of, so first of all, what do we do? We match up Andy Otten on Harry McKay. I couldn't believe that. Could you believe it? I could not believe it. What the hell? Andy Otten on Harry McKay. Yes, there's a, a massive mismatch. But why? Why? Well, uh, you know, the genius have thought of uh, resting Keith and bringing Otten in and matching no, but, it that way. But... Keithy wouldn't have been on McKay anyway, or shouldn't have been. But Andy Otten, what the hell? I don't. And and then to make matters worse, right? Because everyone says, "Oh, you know, fifteen marks our key position defenders were shit." How many times did you see Harry McKay or Levi Casbolt go up for a mark against Luke Brown? Unchallenged. Luke, no, no, no. Luke Brown, Rory Laird, they were always mismatched. So we had all these, we had a forest of tools in defence and yet Colton was still able to work mismatches, Macca. You go back and watch the second quarter when they were taking all those marks inside forward 50 and you go, you watch the contest. I can remember too, Harry McKay went up against Luke Brown. Uh, yeah, Harry McKay went, went up against Rory Laird. Where the hell was 
bloody Talia and Hardigan and Otten? Where were they? Up too high. But that how can they the possibly year, be up too up high, too. Nick? No, they weren't up too high, Nicky. They just weren't with their man. They just weren't with him. I don't understand Brownie's it. Brownie's had to compete against them because there was no tool near him. Same as that, that yeah, that's right. That is exactly right, Macca. It's not a. I'm not knocking Lukey Brown. I'm saying that Lukey Brown should never have been in that contest. No, they're victims. They're victims. You know, it yeah. should have been one of uh, Talia or Hardigan. You know, or Otten if he's there. You know, remember the days where we used to go up with the with the tools, and then we'd have a lever or a due day coming across the top top for a spoil why is it all of a sudden that teams because other teams have been doing it as well they've been able to get mismatches and, and one out contests with their key forwards they've been able to separate our defense and get those one outs and we haven't had that bloke coming across the top how, how often have you noticed alex keith in the last or since the buy come across an intercept it hasn't happened Yet before the bye, he was doing exactly what Tommy Diday used to do and Jakey Lever before that. So, yes, I what's going I really on? I don't know what's happened to the whole structure since the bye, I think, because we were playing a certain style of game which was fairly negative in the sense that it was going to be a low-scoring game, but it was going to be a physical game and was going to be the one that we would uh, outwear the opposition. And before the bye, that worked. But um, since the bye... I don't know what sort of game plan we're trying to play because it's not that one and I, I can't work out what it is. It's just something that is always going to lead to disaster. It's an absolute bloody rabble, Macca. There is no excuse for, for, that, for that sort of mismatch. I mean, you might get it once, but to get it consistently like that, there's just no excuse for it. it it's, it's a rabble. Uh, so, you know, Mark's inside 50, 16 to 5. Well, that's because, you know, they were going up against bloody dwarfs half the time. Uh, clearances we've talked about fifty two twenty nine, uh, and that's about it really. Meters gained were they gained a little bit more, but not terrible. They actually turned the ball over much more than what we did. Uh, we had far more intercepts than what they did. We ended up winning the tackles inside fifty count, even though I, and I'm sure that that Pike at three quarter time said, "Oh, you know, we've got to tackle inside 50. Um, but I, but that that wasn't the reason. That's not. It wasn't the reason for the loss. Lack of forward fifty pressure was not the reason for the loss. It was nope. pure and simple midfield. Pure and simple yeah. midfield. It's it's a symptom of what the main problem is. Well, our midfield was terrible. Absolutely, our structure was terrible. Um, uh, our matchups were in there were terrible. I mean. It, I accept that Crips is a very, very difficult player to man, man up on, but... But don't, don't stand on the boundary side of him in a forward 50 stoppage. Oh, don't, don't tell me about that one. I, mean, I, I, I could have cried when I saw that. I saw him sit up there and I'm like, dude, what you doing? That is one of the most elementary things in football, whether you're talking about uh, AFL football or whether you're talking about under-14s. Every under-14 coach be telling their players that you don't allow... You get goal the, side. Goal side, yeah, always got to be, can't leave the goal side clear. Oh, look, and, so many, so many things. But that's concentration and that's engagement in what you're doing. And you, So, Fiend, I was a bit worried when they said Wilson was coming in. Yeah. Oh. Okay, it's great for Willow because he's performed exceptionally well in the SNFL. Yep. 
but I was worried that they were going to play him out of position. They didn't. They actually played him in the guts. They the did. The problem is he's he's not a fast footballer. No. He, he no. once and again, con- unfortunately, contributed to the slowness. That's right. At least he... At least he gave a shit and he tried. That's right. But some things didn't quite work and he was a bit fumbly. Yeah. But I can forgive him that because it's that that step up from an SANFL midfield to an AFL midfield is massively different. But that was the the wrong problem. As you pointed it out last week, I think it was on Tuesday night, Fiend, they needed to bring in Gallucci and they needed to bring in Chase Jones. That's right. For some speed. Well, I'll I tell you something. You know, Paul Rees and all these others saying, oh, you know, tackles inside 50, it's all about the forward 50 pressure, blah, 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 and they trot out stats saying, you know, uh, Essendon scored, I don't know, 70-odd points from, from our, direct from our forward 50, etc., etc. The thing to counter that and to, the thing that highlights that it's actually the midfield that's the problem is that it's not as if teams are getting 200 rebound 50s out of our forward line. The they're getting the same number of rebound 50s as everybody else. There's no spike in rebound 50s when you play Adelaide. So even though our tackle pressure is... uh, Our forward pressure is a bit off, absolutely, um, the problem is not that we're letting too many balls out of our forward... It's it's just that our midfield can't cover it. And the reason our midfield can't cover it is because they're too bloody slow and they refuse to run defensively. Refuse to run defensively. Rory Atkins should not play another game for this football club because he refused to run defensively all freaking day. All day. All freaking career. Yeah. It was it was so noticeable. It was so he just jogged. He wouldn't commit to a contest, he wouldn't run to the ball carrier, he would just or, jog alongside. Or you notice when we actually managed to slow them ag- down across our half forward line and they would then have the camera angle along the wing and you you allow them that first shot because you stop the next one and you turn it over except for where Rory Atkins wherever he went to run he kept going closer to the boundary line he gave them all that space on the inside for them to lead into mm. he never ever manned up on or was in that position that he should have been in for the basic 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 of to stop that creation. He needed to block that hole. He needed to pretend he was one of our forwards standing in the way of our full forward. Um, it was it was just so noticeable that dude doesn't know how to play football properly. Yeah. Not at this level. Yeah. All right, let's go through some individuals, shall we? Brad Crouch got his usual 30 disposals, 16 kicks, 4 handballs, 2 marks, kicked the goal, two ta- only 2 tackles, uh, 5 inside 50s, 4 clearances, 2 rebound 50s. Uh, you would say not a bad game uh, from Brad Crouch? Uh, he, I thought he had a good game, but uh, on your point about his disposal, uh, many times he could have used it a lot better. I was kidding. Uh, I, was, I was being sarcastic. Okay. Yep. <laughs> no, he, no, he got he got a lot of the ball, but he again that misuse of the ball. You know, you know, I I think it's actually a confidence issue with him. Um, I think he does need to go back to the SNFL to that slower pace of the SNFL because the one thing he needs to work on, really needs to work on, is his ability to make that right decision. And he's panicking too much, and he just wants to give that little dinky handle. I need to get rid of it ASAP. I, I can't hang on to it. I can't create the space. I don't know what to do. He needs to go back to the SNFL to work on that because he can. It's a slower pace. He'll probably dominate, 
but that's what he needs to be working on. And until he can get it right at that level and deliver the ball at the level we know he can and should be able to do, he shouldn't be back in the AFL side. Yeah. Well, here's, here's a stat for you. Um, Brad Crouch had two contested possessions in the first half, one in the first minute and one at the 11-minute mark of the second quarter. He had one clearance in the first half, and that was in the first minute of the game. So in the first half of football, in the first half of football, he had two clearance, uh, two contested possessions and one clearance, and they were, what's that, 28, 38 minutes apart in a game of football. And then he didn't uh, have another one after that for the rest of the for the rest of the half. Yeah, the only thing I will say is that uh, for some reason he spent a lot of time on a half forward flank in that first half. He was hiding away from where the ball was. No, no, no he, he was put there by the coaches, obviously. But uh, I couldn't, work, you know, you remember the centre bounce? You have a look at the, the structure. He wasn't there, and um, uh, I don't know whether he was supposed to be putting some invigorated life into our forward line or whatever, but it never happened. Well, if he was there to apply forward 50 pressure, he didn't do that, Macca, did he? No, I'm saying he didn't. Yeah. I mean, he, he had, he had um, how many positions? I'm just saying he, he wasn't so much. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I get it. Yeah, no, I get it. He had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 possessions in the first court, in the first half. Um, and uh, of those... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven were uh, effective, and he had oh, struggling to find one. No tackles, no tackles in the first half, Maka. Mm-hmm. No, I probably accepted. You know, so I don't care where he was playing. He had what did I say? He had one clearance, one contested possession, and no tackles. This is a bloke who's supposed to be a bull. Who prides he's himself? Supposed at, he's supposed to be a class A grade midfielder. Yeah, and you know we had enough inside fifties in that first half, Macca, that he would have been around the contest, and yet he couldn't get a stoppage clearance in that first half. Couldn't get a stoppage clearance. Got two stoppage clearances for the match, and they were both uh, uh, one in the first minute of the third quarter and one at the twenty-first minute of the first, of the third quarter. Right. No, now I don't taking it all the time. Yeah, I know, but that's not the point. And I'm not. I'm trying to be as objective as I possibly can about Brad because I'm willing to concede that he's not being played appropriately. He's not being played in the right spot. He's not being utilised for his strengths. He's obviously hasn't got um, uh, enough pace anymore. So. Um, I'm willing to concede that he that he's he's just not being used correctly, Macca. But the fact remains that I saw you see him enough times not running hard, not running defensively, not putting in the extra effort. He will tackle if the player's right next to him, but he won't yeah. run ten ten meters to put a tackle on someone or to or to lay pressure on somebody. And he's no, no orphan. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's just the first off the I list. He's in good company. So all our midfields are like that. Yeah, but I think um, look, well, he's it, the only one that goes back. It's a bit of a theme, though, Macca. I mean, I had the same conversation and put up similar stats when the whips were cracking against Essendon with regards to Brad, and here we are again. No, fair enough. But I mean, there's 
he, I, I did say to him, one of his better games, he got he got the ball a bit, but didn't do a lot with it. And there were a lot of things he could have done and didn't do. But uh, I think there were even many more that were probably even worse, though. Ah, well, it depends on your description, I guess. Um, all right, who else we got here? We've got... Um, uh, let's leave Letty for a minute. We've got Rory Sloan, uh, had 26 touches, 12 and 14, took five marks, eight tackles, uh, two inside 50s, five clearances, two rebound 50s. Uh, he had 14 contested possession, only went at 61.5% uh, disposal efficiency. Um, he had five score involvements, gained us 285 metres, uh, six intercept possessions. I, Sloaney was one of the guys that I earmarked earlier that seemed to try. He tried, but he didn't try in the right ways at time. No. Um, I, I, I agree with what you've kind of was – I'm going back to that Tuesday night cast where you talked about putting him on the wing. Yeah. Play Sloaney on the wing, play him through that half-forward wing role because um, he can then come into the midfield as and when he needs it and then push out again when he should. Yeah. Um, Don Pike said that Sloaney uh, held his own against Cripps in the first half. <laughs> do you, do you, did you hear that in the presser? No, I missed it. I didn't that. listen to the presser. No, I, didn't want I, didn't, to hear, I didn't want to hear excuses. Um, I must have started on the peach and beers a bit early, I think. Well, Sloaney in the first half had one clearance for the match in the third minute of the game and one, two, <laughs> three, and four contested possessions in the first half, right? And he was that a bit wrong. And he was playing on Patrick Cripps, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Pa- playing on Patrick Cripps. Patrick Cripps had, let me count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 clearances in the first half and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 contested possessions in the first half. But Don Pike says that Sloaney held his own in the first half. What game was he What game was he watching? Yeah, well, if Sloaney had to draw a picture of uh, Cripps, he'd be drawing the back of him because that's what he saw yeah. him running away from him all the time. That was just ridiculous to make that comment. Stupid. Now, admittedly, I, I felt that Sloaney got a bit of, as I said, a bit of red mist going uh, he, yeah, after half time. He tried his guts out. Tried his guts out. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I was quite, I was quite amused that they were giving away freeze against him for getting higher. I thought he's actually doing to them what taggers do to him all the time. Yeah. And unfortunately. He's not allowed to do it to other players, but they're allowed to do it to him. Yeah. He had, he had six contested possessions in the third quarter and, and two clearances, and I felt he was trying hard to have an impact yeah. on the game. Um, but sadly, he had he didn't have many mates. Yeah. Didn't have many mates. This is, this is Wayne, Mirror, Miner, uh, Wayne Miller, right? In the first half, Wayne Miller had two contested possessions and one clearance. In the second half, in the second half, he had two contested possessions and one clearance. Uh, how many effective disposals did he have for the match? One, two, three, four, five, six effective disposals. Two after half time. Miller is, in terms of natural ability, is uh, out of the the forty four players that play in that match. If you just rated players on natural ability, he would be very high up indeed. If you rated players on their performance in that match, you'd be very low indeed. Um, when you got, as I come back to them, Gibbons and Setterfield, when you got those idiots getting bloody kicks and looking like stars, and you got Miller running around and 
making very little contribution to the team. That's just that's just really poor. I don't know whether he's being not used properly, uh, whether he's not trying his hard, whatever. I don't know what it is, but I was very very pissed off with his game. To be honest, very pissed off. Well, he, he again looked deer in the headlights. He looked panicky. Absolutely, absolutely. Looked panicky. He missed targets. He fumbled. Uh, he didn't run. Uh, all, all the things that we were, you know, uh, so upbeat about in the first half of the season, he's just doing nothing. Now, is it fitness? Is it confidence? Is it lack of engagement? What the hell is it? Really looks a little bit like, if I had to be honest, it looked like a, a lack of confidence. Mm. Miller reminds me, and again, Ben, who's, who's uh, on fire in the chat tonight, uh Mentions if Miller was at Hawthorne or Geelong, he'd be a Jet. Oh, he's a bit he like he's a bit like Jarman Impey, I reckon. Jarman Impey was pretty is pretty good at Hawthorne since leaving Port. Um, yeah. You're another league, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brody Smith, I thought uh, tried hard. Uh, Sixteen and eight for twenty four, four marks, seven tackles, uh, four inside fifties, four clearances. Four rebound fifties. He had seven contested possession. Unfortunately, he turned the ball over a bit. Fifty-eight percent. I reckon uh, Tiggy put someone, uh, or they were very conscious of Smithers when he had the ball, uh, and they, they were alone. and they early on. Er, well, early on, uh, they were roughing him up a bit. Um, and to his credit, he kept soldiering on. He had five score involvements, four seventy-five meters game, six intercept possessions. Um, I, one of the players I think that could help hold his head up. Yep. I thought I thought Ed Kernow was uh, hanging around him quite a bit to cut down on his game. Yeah, um, you're probably right. They, actually, they did they did a bit, but I mean, he was one of those I put in gave a shit the whole game. He got yes. he got a tick from me. He got a tick. Oh yeah, and and the thing is though that they were trying to rough him up, which is kind of funny because Smithers actually likes that. Yeah. Um, and he was. And he's one of the first ones in who's always there to protect his mates. Um, so he's one of the, the ticks we get for a change we've slightly made to our midfield in trying to inject that speed Correct. Um, and some better delivery into our forwards. Um, but I, I think Miller needs to go back to the half-forward line if you contrast those two. And there's also there is a bit of an age difference between a maturity level in terms of games played, which comes into it. A, a bit as well, and I think you're right, Maka and Fane, that for Miller, it does seem to be a little bit fitness, but more confidence than anything. Mm, I thought and, it was. and put him where we've said before, he sees the ball coming straight at him, he's able to run it up. Yeah, yeah. You meant to go at, back, at half back, Mickey, I think you meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, of the rest, uh, well, Matty Crouch is probably the other one I want to talk about. 8 and 16 for 24. Four marks, five tackles, four clearances, three rebound fifties. Uh, he went at sixty-six uh, percent uh, on eight contested possessions, uh, four score involvements. Only gained us one hundred and thirty-three meters. I just, I, I didn't actually notice Matt Crouch much, to be honest with you. He had one, two, three, four contested possessions in the first half and only two in the last half, one at the 10-minute mark of the third quarter and one right at the death of, at, in the last quarter. Um, you know, that's not enough from your inside mid. His clearances, he had two in the first quarter, one in the second quarter, and then he didn't have another. He didn't have a, a clearance from the 15-minute mark of the second quarter until the 27-minute mark of the fourth quarter. 
That's your inside mid, ladies and gentlemen. And I hate to say it, but it looked like he'd given up. Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, he's bought in at all. Um, I think Matthew Hawes uh, summed up well. They're, they're, they've got they've got injured confidence, so they're, they're not uh, attacking with the massive confidence that we had when we were going well. At the moment, they 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 go in. It's almost half hearted. It's not not 100%. Oh, I think Horry would have got a 10 out of 10. Uh, I, I'm giving it an 8. If he'd have said he had confidence awareness, he would have got a 10. He probably would have got a, uh, the the comment gold pass for the night. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, Crouch has got uh, confidence awareness, bloody hell. I like that. Um, but look, yeah, so Matty Crouch, that's, that's not really uh, the kind of stats that you want from your inside. No, he's better than that. You know. So, and meanwhile, as we mentioned, Patrick Cripps is going bloody crazy. And Patrick Cripps wasn't the only one. He's like all all the uh, all the uh, well, Ed, Ed Kerno had one, two, three, four, five contested possessions in the first half and six in the second half uh, to go with uh, one, two, three clearances in the first half and four in the second half. Uh, Sam Walsh. Let's have a look at Sam Walsh. Uh, he had one, two, three clearances in the first half and five clearances in the second half to go with uh, four contested possessions in the first half and one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine contested possessions in the se- second half, Sam Walsh. Uh, Will Setterfield, one, two, three, four, five contested possessions in the first half, three in the second half. I mean, Will Setterfield's like a, a first-year player. Going on, yeah, I so, couldn't believe it. So, Paddy Cripps killed us, but he wasn't the only one. You know, other Carlton players were getting were getting uh, clearances and contested possessions as well. And the reason so we yeah, they well, bought into it. Mate. And the reason why I'm highlighting those stats is because they're the stats that are, that we've been losing since the buy, and they're the stats uh, that Pikey says is so important to our game plan. And he's dead set right. If we don't get the ball first and control the, the contest, control the play, we lose. And it's and it's shown because over the last month when we've been losing contested possession and clearances, our uncontested possession differential has gone down the toilet. We haven't been able to play the way that we've wanted to play because our coalface players, the Crouch brothers and Rory Sloan, have not been able to get their hand on the agate. And it points to one person again, doesn't it, Nicky? Cameron Ellis Yolman. Yep. Yeah, we're missing we're missing drastically at the moment. You know, and people still think that Cam Ellis Yolman is expendable. I think we're now we're 7-3 with Cam in the team and 2-6 with Cam out of the team. So if anyone thinks that Cam Ellis Yolman is not an influential midfielder in our team, then they've got bloody rocks in their head. Uh, the chat got a bit upset with me because I called him a, an A-grade midfielder. Um, and it's, well, unfortunately, he is our A-grade midfielder. He is our best-performing midfielder for the year. He, well, he's, he's one of the better inside midfielders in the competition. You can't, the, the stats don't lie. The stats do not lie, and I don't think it's any coincidence that we've gone down the toilet since Cam's uh, not been playing and reportedly is at least another two weeks away, so, you know. Yeah, Matthew Hawes is shin awareness. Shin awareness, yeah. <laughs> He's probably got contract awareness, Hori, because uh, he might not be around next year if this keeps going. 
anyone else that you want to cover while we've got the individuals up? I, I thought um, uh, Talia tried very hard, but he, he, he's, he's kicking him very, very unreliable at the moment. And it's always been unreliable. No, but it, I thought he, I thought he was uh, a little bit worse than normal. <laughs> He turned right. the ball over something terrible. Sorry, let's let's talk about a few players, shall we? Let's talk about Rory Atkins. Uh, this is our wingman, yeah. our wingman Try. who consistently is uh, most uh, kilometres covered over or most distance covered over a game. Rory Atkins had five kicks, five handballs, three marks, two tackles, two people fell into him, one clearance, no rebound fifties. Uh, he had. Three contested possessions. He gained us. Our wingman, uh, who we like because he breaks lines and delivers inside forward 50 and all the rest of it. Our wingman, 76 metres gained. 76 metres gained. Rory Atkins, you absolute spud. Get well, out of our team. Absolutely. Did you love that little episode when he was on the wing there? He, he, he took a mark and then managed to run around in circles till he got caught. Oh, how, but he does that every week, Macca. He does oh, it every week. It's going to come. And and there were players that were free. He could have kicked it on down the field, but nope, 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 nope. No, I'm running around in circles till I get caught. Yeah, That's what I do. Three effective disposals in the first half, four effective disposals in the second half. Um it's just an absolute joke from our wingman. It's just an absolute joke. How he like likes, I don't. Uh, he likes uncontested. He should probably go up and play for Gold Coast. Well, I think he well, he should go and play Ammos. That's not an AFL performance, Rory Atkins. I'm sorry. No. For all the talent that he has, that's the major part. And as we've kind of talked about for quite a while with him, we just can't trust him when it's a tough game. And if we can't trust him as supporters, what do his teammates think? Well, how can, the, how can his teammates and his, and his coaches trust him? It's not as if he's a first-year player. He's been dishing this rubbish up now for, for years. Yeah, can- and if it's purely because, oh, we like, you know, he gives us a different angle into our forward line because he's a left footer. Um, oh, big bring deal. Bring in Gallucci. Bring in yeah. Gallucci because guess what? He can kick on his left and yeah. his right. Who gives so a So he damn. actually won't get caught like that. It, it, we, we can't afford to be that nuanced at the moment. Um, Lockie Murphy, 5-5 five and five for 10, took three marks, kicked a goal, seven tackles, uh, three inside 50s. Uh, what else did he do, Lockie Murphy? Three contested possessions, um, five score involvements. What do you think about Lockie Murphy? Not, I mean, he's not. He'll never be a match winner. But I thought, in fairness to him, and with the dysfunctional way the ball was coming in there into our forward line, I thought that look, this isn't a great game by him. But at least he's had ten possessions. He had put on seven tackles. The guy tries. He does try. No, when do, when did we lose the game, Mac? Be pun. When did we lose the game? Not the opening bounce of it. Well, um, I mean, when did we get slaughtered? I'm sorry, I'm not really quite sure where you're heading to. Well, I'm just asking a question. What what quarter do you it's think was our worst? What order? What quarter? quarter? Second. Well, I didn't like any of them really, but uh, no, so uh, what was our worst? Where does where did the game break open? Second. 
So, thank you. Jesus, that was like pulling teeth, Macca. Jesus. I didn't realise where you were going to. I didn't care where, oh, you, I where I was going to. I just wanted an answer. Uh, Lockie Murphy <laughs> didn't have... a yelling at Clark, Clark yeah. remember? Lockie Murphy didn't have a touch from the five-minute mark of the first quarter until the uh, first minute of the, sec- of the third quarter. So uh, had two touches in the first five minutes and then was absent until the second half. Did he have many opportunities? Well, we had enough inside 50s, didn't we, Macca? I don't know. I, I thought we got taken over that second quarter. Well, we did, but we still, like, I'm talking from the five-minute mark of the first quarter. We had uh, plenty of inside look, 50s I, in the first in the first quarter. Look, I, I said you did play a great game, but at least I thought, at least I was, unlike Atkins, I can see the guy trying. Yeah, but he spends a lot of time trying for no for no outcome, Macca. I, I honestly don't think... In a perfect think, world, he would be there, in a perfect well, world. Put it this way, I think Lockie is another bloke that's been played in the wrong position because he plays very high, which means that often, often he's actually a marking target and he, yeah. he is nothing more uh-huh. than a crumbing forward. He should be playing deep. We should have uh, Betts or Stengel in one pocket and Lockie Murphy in the other. We should not be playing him high at all. And as a consequence... He runs around like a yapping dog, but he's just not—he's just not big enough to impact the contest aerially, and he's too high up the ground to to hit the scoreboard. He, another bloke that's just been—I've got a lot of time for Lockie in terms of his endeavour, but we don't get enough output from him for the position that he's playing. So we either play him in a different position, or we put someone in that position that's going to be more effective. In my in my opinion. Well, I have to think our whole forward structure is wrong anyhow. Oh, um, yeah, well, yeah. So he's just part of that whole symptom of their whole forward line. It's, it, it, that, if we, you know, if we end up with that same forward line, it doesn't matter. You can play that forward line for as long as you like. It's, it's never going to be any good. It's, it's, Teague somehow magically had a formula that made that thing work. Nobody else is going to make that forward line work as it's structured. They can't take a mark. There's no speed. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, right. Anyone else you want to have a look at? Uh, I don't think there is. Mac? Uh, Josh Jenkins was... Josh Jenkins stunk. It, yeah, he couldn't yeah. get... He did his little dummy spit because it uh, wasn't working well for him. And they kept talking about why are they paying Liam Jones on Jenkins? Shouldn't they have him on tax? And it's like, no, Teague knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he knows how to upset Jenkins. Yeah. And he did. Jenkins was very ordinary, very ordinary. And he wouldn't be on my side. He'd be in a, uh, the trade package with Atkins at the end of the year. They'd, be, they'd definitely. Because we have to get Fogarty and uh, young Hemmelberg into this side and to create a proper forward line structure. And then we have to get some speed around them. And this, what we've got at the moment is rubbish. I think El- Elliot's tired a little bit too much because he really hasn't been able to do a lot in the SNFL. I'm not talking about now, um, Nicky. I'm talking about next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, next year. So Elliot needs to work on his fitness a lot more because what we saw from that first half of the year that he was the better option than JJ. Fitness and upper um, body strength, and, I reckon. Yeah, and that's what it is. And we know even if he doesn't take the mark, at least he's going to contest it and bring it down um, and not – give up 
um, that that top position. He's always going to fight to to yeah. really whoa, try and, whoa. and bring it down. I don't I don't know whether you remember, but a couple of years ago we drafted this kid called Darcy Fogarty, and uh, yep. I believe he's still at the club. Um, <laughs> Apparently, and I believe he's a forward and uh, pretty strong he's lad. He's got big legs. Yeah, pretty strong sort of a lad. Can take a mark out out in front. Uh, I wonder if he wants a game. <laughs> You're being miser. Jesus. Now, I'd like to see a forward line next year, that, as I said, that's got Fogarty, it's got Hillberg, it's got McHenry, it's got Chase Jones, it's got... Uh, no, no, no. McHenry and Jones are in the midfield. Absolutely. They're only, dropping, McHenry... they're only dropping back when they're having a rest. Well, I think McHenry probably starts on the forward line and he may it'll end up in the midfield. Um, but, you know, oh, I want to see the guys with speed come into the side. And um, at the moment, the structure we've got... And look, te- I'd have Tex just sitting in a pocket. And, and, and he, he's not the main man. Just Do you know, let Tex... I, I just played Tex on a half-forward flank, Macker, and let him lead yeah, up all day. Happy, happy, just happy let him lead happy up happy all day. Lead up? He will actually take those marks... You have him on one wing and you have Lynch as the one on the other wing and then you have definitely, you have Tex delivering it into that forward line. Yeah. yeah. It just, you just basically, just as I said, that forward line we've got at the moment is so ridiculous. It's yeah. never going to work. Anyway, look, uh, I don't think we need to talk about any, anyone else. I think it was fairly evident uh, who stunk it up and who didn't and majority of people stunk it up. Um, I'm tipping that Patrick Wilson will get the chop. Uh, I don't think it was our worst by any means, but I think he'll get the chop. He doesn't fit in the team with uh, with the other. Matter. No, no. If he was uh, our sole inside mid, you could you could cop it, but unfortunately he's too far down the pecking order. I, I really don't understand why they played Patrick Wilson because he's either in no. our fu- he's either in our future plans, in which case you, you, he should have been in two months ago, or he's not in our future plans and you say, Patrick, you're, you've been playing really well at SANFL. Unfortunately, we're not going to continue with you next season. That's why you're not getting picked. Why in the hell do you pick Patrick Wilson out of the blue in round 19 and then, like, was he into Tag Crips? No. Was he into, like, what was, what was he there for? And this is not a knock on Wilson because Wilson has been playing excellently in the twos and... You know, in and of itself, I was happy that he got the opportunity, but there was absolutely no plan associated with Patrick uh, being in the team, and his whole development arc has been completely missed. I don't understand it. Why bother playing with playing him in nineteen when we've got Galucci and Jones in the twos with a bit of with a bit of pace? Don't get it. Yeah, agreed. Andy Otten, another one. You know, they had two tall... No one else in that forward line for Carlton took a mark, except or except the Ruckman, but Casbolt and... and uh, um, Casbolt uh, and McKay took took all their marks. There wasn't a third tall. Why did we play Andy Otten, let alone play him on McKay? Why didn't we Why didn't we bring in a, a running half... Why didn't we give Shoal a run? You know, Good a running point. half back. You know, the selections yeah. were mystifying. We, You know, I can understand Huey Greenwood got dropped because um, he's in and out of games. But the one thing that we've seen from Hugh is that he can actually take a mark up forward. He can mm-hmm. actually take a mark. You know, you Eddie Betts. Eddie Betts. So why, do, do why did we drop Eddie Betts against his old team 
Oh, playing, this is the one team. Yeah, playing one game you wouldn't drop him. For. Yeah, well, playing on the G, he's got more experience on the G than anyone else in our team, and probably half the blokes on the on the Carlton team. And we drop him. He kicked six goals, albeit against Gold Coast two weeks ago. And we dr- we drop him. Like, I well, just I, don't I, understand the, it. The thing is that Eddie, you're saying, oh yeah, you know he didn't. Um, he hasn't performed, you know, in the last two games or whatever. Well, that's not on him. We know what the problem is. If you're a yep. small forward, you're relying on the others. Um, I, I'm, I have no problem with them bringing Sangle in, but the one they should have dropped wasn't actually Eddie, but was Murphy. They were dropping the wrong players. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, why wouldn't you put... That's why I said no more excuses, mm. the right actions. Mm. These were not the right actions. No. So anyway, look... That's it. Uh, I want to. I don't think we're going to uh, go through breakouts and jets and wake up, or we could do no. a wake up for the whole no. group. But I want to finish. I want to finish off with this, guys. Um, uh, I think. I think collectively, the Crowcast has had enough of the way our club has been run. I think we've had enough of the people that are involved. I think we've had enough of the manner in which. Uh, the membership are not empowered to have any sort of impact over the club whatsoever um, and you know to the extent where I, th- I think the administration feels so protected that they are quite dismissive of the fan base because they know the fans will keep rocking up um, and the fans are never going to there's there's no way we can have a a, a member takeover of the board because no. the the constitution just doesn't allow it um, there's only two member representative spots and that's it. So, but I, I've had enough. So at the Crowcast, we're going to do whatever we can to try and instigate change at the Adelaide Crows Football Club. So anyone who's got ideas, anyone who's got contacts, anyone who's got opinions, hit us up on Twitter, send me a DM if you don't want to make it public. Hit us up on our Facebook page if you're a Big Footy member. Send me a message or, or hit me up on Big Footy. On Tuesday night, uh, I know I laugh about this, but on Tuesday night we're going to have the phones open all night. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the game. We're going to talk about some issues because we need to we need to actually light a fire under Joe Average Crow supporter who goes along and watches the game and supports the boys and all the rest of it. Joe Average Crow supporter can no longer be happy with this because if Joe Average Crow supporter is still happy with this after what's been served up for the last four weeks and another season burnt after 2018 got burnt, then welcome to a club where you're just not going to see a premiership in your lifetime. It's just not going to happen. So the the members have to take control of this. Nikki, wouldn't you agree? They do, but I'm still one of those who's likely to turn up for the last two games. Um, but I I do agree that that it's those people who will blind, who do that blind support and just kind of it'll get better, it'll get better. Unfortunately, we've given them a chance to get better. We've seen that they're not taking the actions that should be happening. And we love this club. We know there are people at that club who are incredibly hardworking and they do want a premiership just as much as we do. But we're not seeing 
I think that was I, I think that was lip service, Nikki. It could possibly be, but I do I do know some of the people down there, and they are working very hard towards it. Yeah, um, yeah. But and, the person that, who said that to me, I think that uh, to us, I think that was lip service. Possibly, um, and and that's what needs to happen. We we need those people to stand up. We need you guys to get out there, talk to all your other friends who are Crow supporters, and and just get that little bubble going and get that noise happening. That we are not happy with this. We want our team to succeed. We want our players to go out and play to the best of their ability and for them to have confidence in each other. And we're not seeing that. And that's what's really hurting me. Well, I, th- I think it's... And, Mackie, you can have a say in a sec, but just to, to follow on from that, Nikki, I think the thing that um, that comes to mind is I think we want our club back. Don't you agree? Don't you reckon that in the nineties it felt like it was our club? In the in the years gone by, when there was passion around the place, and it was a South Australian club with South Australian roots run by South Australian people, that it felt like our club, even though it was owned by the SANFL, it doesn't feel like yeah. our club anymore. It doesn't feel we are so disconnected as a fan base from the club, you know. Th- the, the the football club managers media so much you know they went completely quiet on social media after last week they've gone completely quiet on social media again after after Saturday they, they go they they go quiet they stop engaging because they can't handle the negative feedback they don't the supporter base is the the admin are so hell-bent on managing the supporter base in order to maintain membership and engagement and all the rest of it that they don't actually ever listen to the to the fan base in terms of what the fan base is saying. And to me, the only way, and it sounds very archaic, but the only way to make a statement to the football club is to not turn up, is to not sign up for a membership and I know people have got seats and loathe to loathe to give up your seats and I completely understand that but any opportunity you've got to make a statement through your attendance I think you I think as a supporter base we owe it to our club which will still be there once all these morons have left we owe it to our club yeah. to show our distaste for what is currently going on so on Tuesday night, we're going to have a bit of a talk about it. The, the lines are going to be open. I'm also going to be uh, setting something up, and I hate calling it a petition, but it'll be something along those lines I would like to send from the Crowcast and all the people who listen to the Crowcast, I would like, like to send something to the club. So on our website uh, over the next couple of days... Uh, and I'll tweet and uh, post on Facebook and all the rest of it about it in the coming days when I get it set up. There will be a mechanism for people to put down a few words that they would like uh, like us to say to the club on their behalf and after a couple of days or when we get a certain amount or you know whatever, um, we'll forward that on to Ian Shuttleworth and Andrew Fagan um, and look for a response. Okay, because this has got to start now and this isn't about promoting the Crowcast, right? This is about our footy club that we feel like we're just we're just like, uh, as someone said, we're just like customers, and we're not customers. We're fans. We're supporters. We're members. 
people devote large amounts of time to following this club and supporting this club, and they deserve better. They deserve better. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my final comments on it are, and I started off with a very, very similar comment, is 21 years since we've won a flag. 21 years. And that is ridiculous. If you, It's not acceptable. A club is not has not done what it should do if it can't win a flag in that particular time. But worse than that, looking at what we're doing at the moment, looking at how we're placed at the moment, look at the people that are in charge at the moment, it'll be another 21 bloody years if you don't do something about it, if it just stays like this. So what I'm saying is I'm really actually, my main challenge is, because I don't think it's going to happen through Fagan, I don't think it's going to happen through bloody dickhead Burton. It's not going to happen through all the other dickheads there that aren't good enough to be in that their position. I'm, t- I'm just challenging the board. The board. I hope someone in the board can hear this podcast. I hope somebody in tells the board about this podcast because you are responsible. You are allowing people of an inferior quality who have no idea running in the wrong direction to run this football club who, which its uh, its main purpose in life, its wholesale purpose in life, is to try and win a an AFL flag, and it's never going to do it at the moment with the people that are in charge, with the structure we've got in charge, with the with the people that run this club, the board. Have a look at them, change them, get an external review, have, get and create a proper structure that can enable the players to perform it. Review your players' list and see what we've got short and do something about it. And what you said there is uh, very valid, Macca, because Vardy Magic on the chat said, what are we actually going to ask for? And what we're going to ask for is a... Because it's a good point. You can't just, you know, go madly, we want change, we want to win, you know, that's all rubbish. But what we're going to ask for is a transparent external review run by external people that is made public to the membership of the Adelaide Football Club. A top-to-bottom external independent review of the Adelaide Football Club is what we're going to be asking for. And we're going to be emailing that to Andrew Fagan. We're going to be emailing that to Mark Rusciuto. We're going to be emailing that to Rob Chapman. That's what we want. And the reason why we want that is because, as people rightly point out in the chat and as we said right at the very beginning of the show, we were promised in 2015 a no-spin, authentic club that was capable of having man-man conversations. And this is now a man conversation that the fan base needs to have with the football club and the fucking football club should be man enough to listen to it. And if they're not, they're not worth following, in my opinion. I think yep. that's a very worthy point, the last one that you made there, Fiend. If the if they can hear, and we are just a splinter group of the fans out there who are hurting at the moment and who are angry and are very, very resentful. And if the board are so got their heads up their bums so far that they can't understand that, then they are the problem. And they are the problem because they are allowing what's happening at the moment to happen. Yep. And as you say, Fiend, it's an independent review. Has to be the only way to go. And then out of that will come the right structures and the right people yep. in the right places. 
Yep. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Um, as I said, this is not about promoting the Crowcast, so by all means, email the club, but make sure if you email the club, you're constructive. Um, you know, get on Talkback Radio, smash Mark Bickley, who's an absolute numpty when it comes to protecting the club. You know, social and, media... And ser- Sorry, go on, Nick. All, all I'll say is seriously keep using that line from Walshy about being an authentic club. Yep, Throw absolutely. Those words back at them because Walshy, even though he was only with us for a very short time, made such an impact and we need to do this for him and for what he left us. Yep, so, and it's not just Walshy, it was Mark Rusciuto trotted it out as well. Andrew Fagan yeah. promises, you know, the world's famous football department. That has, let's stop rambling on. That's what it's going to be. So keep out on social media. Keep an eye out on social media channels over the next couple of days as I get a couple of things organised. Uh, if you're going to communicate with the club, do it constructively, do it respectfully, um, because then you can't be ignored. If they ignored, uh, if they ignore a respectful, constructive uh, email, then that's back on them. You know, and on Tuesday night we'll be talking about this a little bit more. We'll be uh, talking about ways in which we want to mobilise on behalf of the people who listen to us, and uh, you know, uh, we'll just and we're going to continue this until something happens, Maka. Oh, absolutely. We're not going to let up because we've we've gone through this merry-go-round before, you know, and and enough's enough now, uh, and. As I say, enough's enough. I think enough's enough for this uh, podcast as well tonight. (laughs) Uh, Another epic weekend wrap. Look, we thank everyone who listens to us uh, on Spreaker, on Facebook, on YouTube, um, uh, listens to us uh, through iTunes as well. we really appreciate your listenership. We hope you'll get on board with what we're trying to do. This isn't self-promotion. This is about getting our club back uh, yeah. and getting an authentic club that we can follow. Um, thanks very much to Ryan at Smith Partners Real Estate for his ongoing support. Uh, Down to Earth Electrical, the boys there doing all your data and electrical needs. Um, Scorpus's YouTube channel, Hardware Unboxed. Um, and most importantly, all the people that support us on Patreon. If you want to support us on Patreon, it does help. It uh, helps us put this on every week. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast or click the Patreon button at aflcrowcast.com.au. Maka, Nikki, that was epic. Uh, let's all go have a coffee and a lie down, shall we? <laughs> Oh, I think that's and, a good and just, idea. Just a quick cockwomble. Whoever the umpire was who told Brody Smith when he was on 50 oh, minutes that dickhead. he wasn't having a shot for goal. <laughs> cockwomble. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he was. Absolutely. Uh, look, that's all from us. We'll be on uh, live as usual on Tuesday night for Tuesday night live. I'm sure Pete will be all over this uh, in the meantime. Thank you once again, everyone, and we'll see you on Tuesday night. Yeah, night, folks. Ciao. <laughs>